Travel Stories Podcast. Welcome back to Travel Stories Podcast. I'm Hayden Lee. Now, firstly, I want to say thanks to everyone that's come to join us on our social media channels. It's all at Backpack Digital, and we love talking to you guys. It's so much fun. Secondly, thanks so much for all the kind words about the website, the new website, travelstoriespodcast.com. It is kind of cool looking, if I don't say so myself. Now, on to today. Rachel Rudwall is, on paper, an explorer, a TV host, and an Emmy-nominated producer. But she's much more than that. Throughout her work, she's become an inspiration to thousands of people. She's always wanting people to test their horizons, to look past the fear, and experience what life has to offer. She has wisdom far beyond her years, as you'll find out in this interview. She's a force for inspiration, really. You can find her at rachelromes.com and everywhere else at Rachel Romes. So let's dive into firstly her travel story and then our interview with Rachel Rudwall. This crazy thing happens when we choose to actually look at a person and see them. When you're walking down the street, for example, like I was when I was in Havana, Cuba, two years ago, there are tons of people around you, right? And like the thing that you normally do is you kind of pretend you're the only person that exists. You're like, I have to go to the grocery store and then I have to call my mom because it's her birthday. And you take it all very seriously because in your own mind, your universe is the universe. But sometimes you will see other people. And then just by talking to them, just by recognizing that they exist, whole worlds open up to you. So I'm in Havana, Cuba, and I'm with a friend, and I'm walking down the street, and I see this gal who is Cuban, and I tell her in Spanish, I love your hat. And she's like, thanks. And she's like, where are you coming from? And we're talking in Spanish at this point. And I say, well, I'm coming from this hotel. And she goes, no kidding. I work at that hotel. Where are you going? And I say, well, I'm going to this alleyway. Because my friend and I have heard that what's called Callejón de Ramel has sweet street art. Well, I know where that is. I could take you. And we go, well, where are you going? She goes, oh, I'm going home for the day. I just worked the night shift. And we're like, no, you must be tired. And she's like, no, I'll take you. Sophia, as it turns out her name is, starts walking with us and we start chatting. She goes, okay, turn left here. And we turn down this alleyway and we can hear music. And one of the crazy and very cool things about Cuba is that there's music everywhere. It's coming out of alleyways, it's coming out of restaurants. I feel like it comes out of people's pores. They live in music. So we can hear as we get closer, 
Guantanamera Guajira, Guantanamera We're like, what is that? Sophia's like, oh, hey, yeah, it's actually a, a birthday celebration for one of our national heroes. And we turn the corner and there's this group of people sitting in these plastic chairs. And there's an old man singing and there are kids and there are grandmas and people are clapping. And she's like, this person was a symbol of the revolution. And they lived in this building. So there's a celebration today. And of course, we wouldn't have happened upon this very Cuban moment with this very Cuban song, were it not for saying, I like your hat. So then we turn right. And we continue walking. And I say, Sophia, what's that shop? She goes, oh, that's a rations shop. Really? Like, yeah, you want to see it? So we walk in and the shelves are really very bare. And she's like, do you want to see my rations booklet? We're like, if you don't mind. And, you know, we feel kind of like we're prying. But here's this person who lives here who's offering up her life to us just because we're there, because we saw her. So she pulls out her rations booklet and she shows us, I've already gotten infant formula for the month and I've gotten flour and I've gotten rice. So I can't come back and get any more. And we think, wow, you know, like this is the kind of stuff you hear about, but you don't actually see it or feel it when you're not from here. We say, thank you for bringing us. And she goes onward, you know, to, to Callejón. So we go and we find this street art street and it's super cool. It's like it's murals and it's bathtubs and crazy wrought iron pieces of trash in other people's eyes that have been recovered. And she goes, what else do you want to do with your time in Cuba? And we're like, well, the thing we were going to do today was maybe buy some cigars. And she's like, oh no. We're like, oh no, what? Like Cuban cigars are famous, right? So she goes, it's already 2.11 on a Tuesday. And we're like, uh-huh. She's like, we only have till 2.15. Come with me. So we duck out of this place and we run down the street and we happen upon this apartment building. We look up and it's ramshackle and it's kind of looking very forgotten as most buildings in Havana do. And she rings the doorbell. And we're like, what on earth are we doing here? <laughs> the door goes click. And we walk in. And she walks to the end of the hallway and she knocks. And this door to this apartment opens up about two inches. And we see this lady's face and she's like, buenos dias. <laughs> and we're like, where are we? Is this a, a drug smuggling ring? What's the word? And she's like, she says in Spanish, give me two minutes. So my friend Abby and I are there with Sophia. And Sophia's saying nothing. We're just chilling. And we're like, where are we? And she goes, well, these colectivos, collectives, are allowed certain times every month to sell bulk cigars. Now, these bulk cigars are direct from the factory. You buy an entire box, and they're discounted, but you can only buy them from the authorized colectivos. It's one of the very few ways that a person can make income 
in Cuba in a non-traditional career path. And it's government sanctioned. And we're like, okay, you know, <laughs> seems weird, but legit. Cause we're staying at a place, a place called a Casa Particular, which is also government sanctioned and it's a homestay. So we're like, okay, could be a thing. Well, these two tourists kind of shuffle out like sidestep looking confused, but thrilled. And they've got a package under their arm. They're like, good luck. Like, what? So we walk in and we're in someone's living room. And they're like, what kind of cigars do you want? So they bring out these cigars that smell gorgeous. And for what it's worth, I don't smoke. And I'm like, this smells beautiful. And Sophia says, and the lady agrees with her. Oh yeah, the cigars that you get on the street don't smell good. They're not real tobacco. They'll try to sell them to you for a fortune. And it's usually just dried leaves from other trees. And we're like, no kidding. So we buy an entire box of beautiful Cuban cigars. And we leave and we're like, wow, that was wild. Why did we have to rush? And Sophia says, because they close at 2.15 p.m. on a Tuesday and they won't be open again until next month. We walk on and we go to lunch and we learn more about Sophia. She's this beautiful woman and she's got twins and it's crazy that she can only get infant formula once a month. All because we said to Sophia, I like your hat. So you never know what will happen if you actually look at someone and you see them and you take the time to let them know that they're there. Hey guys, Hayden here. Just a quick one. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. And if you're enjoying it, please head to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash backpack digital. And by helping us out, we're bringing special bonus episodes. And you could even join our hangout as we record the unpacking episodes and mess up everything we say. Right now, I gotta go. There's an Englishman, Irishman, and Scotsman. They've just turned up. I, I wanna see what happens. Thanks for listening. Back to the show. <laughs> it's a weird question to have asked, but I went with it. <laughs> I love it. That's the way to go. That's the way to go. So <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show. It really is a pleasure to have you on. And we've we've kind of been on the verge of connecting for a while now. We're, we've been we've been talking about it. We talked about this just before the call. We're kind of we've been one step away for a while now, right? Yeah, there's this strange thing that happens when you travel, and that is that you find that there's a huge overlap with other people who travel and you're like, Oh no way, you know, the same people. And do you find that you have a lot of mutual friends or Facebook connections or what have you? So yeah, that's how this conversation has evolved. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And anyone see, everyone seems to know Justin Walter, right? Because yes, <laughs> he's the greatest person in the world. So fun. I told him I thought we were twins and um, we only met a year ago, but he's like, I love being your twin. I'm going to have to tell him that I creepily said that on this show. <laughs> Man, when I grew up, I want to be Justin Walter. That guy's a legend. <laughs> he's so fun. He's so cool. And I like that in this kind of 
travel community, there's there's loads of different like I guess archetypes of of different travelers. You know, there's some like there's the backpacker, the tourist, the the vagabond, the uh, the budgeteer. Is that a word? I'm I'm going with it anyway. Should be. Yeah, it should be. It should. Be. It is now. It is now. So, like, there's a luxe traveler. There's yeah. Yeah. It's true. Exactly. But we're all kind of as one. And like, tell me if I'm wrong with this, but. Is it safe to say you'd lean more towards being like the adventurer? Would you say that's accurate? Yes. I like <laughs> things that are going to push me to learn something new or try something new. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like, for me, at least, it's that personal growth. I mean, I'm not an, not an adventurer myself, but that personal growth aspect, is that kind of, is that one of the things that you that you like about being the adventurer, that constant personal growth? Yes, but I wouldn't say that I set out on a trip going like, in what ways am I going to become a better version of myself? Because then it kind of feels like homework. Mm. It's more, what don't I know is going to happen? It's kind of that cheeky, like, where is this going to go? Because there are so many ways that something could evolve. And no matter how you've planned it, there are adventures that will happen that you have not planned. And those become the good stories and, and oftentimes the good experiences too. But I have a theory everything is either a good experience or a good story later. <laughs> oh, man, absolutely. You're very fortunate if it's both. But um, I really like the notion that I can't predict what I will find and that will surprise me and move me and teach me and hey, maybe I learn a cool new trick or I just get to connect with a person I never knew I'd meet. Absolutely, yeah. It's like, uh, are you one of those people that are like, you know, they're walking down the road or something, they see an alleyway, they've got to go down it. They've got to see what's down there, man. You know? Yeah, as, as long as it's not the most murdery, I definitely... <laughs> <laughs> am that person. I mean, if there's, for example, if there's street art, I will always duck down the side street. If there's like a little cafe table or it looks that there's a, a deli or, you know, there's music coming from around a corner. I love following that. I love seeing what's there. Totally. Yeah. It's like, it's exactly like you say, like you, you're either going to have an experience, good or not, or you're going to have a story. And that's, uh, man, I've been saying that for years. You see, since we've been talking, even been f before this call started, before this uh, interview started, since we've been talking, you've been saying these things that have succinctly kind of said what I've been thinking all these years, and I've never had the words to say it. Hmm. You know? <laughs> what fun. That just means we're all sharing brainwaves is that greater constellation of travelers you're talking about. It could be that nothing I'm saying is original at all, <laughs> but... <laughs> Instead, that I've gathered it because everybody's thinking it somewhere in some faraway spot as a fellow explorer. There you go. There you go. I like that. So where did this, where did your spirit for adventure start? How old were you when you first learned that there were mountains to climb and oceans <laughs> to dive into and alleyways to possibly go down? <laughs> to get gum stuck on your shoe in. <laughs> Yeah. I, well, I grew up in the Midwest of the US. So a uh, part of the country that's pretty flat. And so, yeah, mountains for us were in magazines or on TV. Mountains were not readily available, nor were oceans. We had the Great Lakes. That's pretty neat. I mean, it's a place that I went on a few vacations, and it seemed like a vast body of water. But I think what 
you learn growing up in a place that has a lot of open space is you learn that kind of everything's an adventure, whether it's splashing in puddles or picking up sticks or running through the woods. So little things that maybe we take for granted as just like eh, where we live as adults, we're already adventurous. Also, my parents had a lot of curiosity, both of them. And so they had done some traveling when they were younger. But I think what was really important was the fact that they always had materials around our house, books and magazines and things like that, which inspired me and my brothers to know that there was more out there and that, you know, it was worth seeking knowledge. Yeah, I love the idea that like when you grew up in a place like that, if it's flat or if it's kind of it's just the place that you're from, kind of boring old wherever, you know, I like the idea that especially I, th I find if it's rural, then you often, I don't know, you, you can often find the adventure in that. I guess, well, I'm only saying especially rural because I grew up in a rural place, but I'd imagine mm -hmm. it's the same for urban places too. You know, you can yeah. kind of find the adventure around the corner, the, the metaphorical alleyway, you know. And I guess you don't call it adventure. It's just you're living yeah. and it's easy to get caught up in all of the stuff we think we're supposed to do as we get older and what we think life is supposed to be. But that weird magical child curiosity or sense of risk taking or fun is something that's really powerful. And if we can tap into that as adults, like for example, through travel, then I think we're doing something right. Oh, definitely. Definitely. That's something that always, that always comes to me that like, what would I do if I was six, you know, <laughs> in, in this very yeah. moment, you know, like, yeah. I, I remember, for example, like I was, I can't remember where I was, Australia, I think. And I was walking in the, in these woods and uh, my apologies, I always do stories, but I was walking in these woods, right? <laughs> and then I suddenly, I was just like, I'm, I'm just going to run. And I don't run. I'm not a runner, mm. but I was like, I'm just going to run. I was listening to Sigur Ross, one of the greatest bands in the yeah. whole world. Yeah. And, uh, and I just ran. And it was amazing. Is this something like, is this something you think about often? And like, how do you, I don't know, how do you implement it in your life? Is it something that, that you come across often that like, what would I do if I was a kid or, or trying to bring out that childlike wonder? I think eventually it becomes habit. So the trick is not to think about it. So like you're expressing, you're in this adventure already, you're in the midst of it. You're not a runner. You don't plan to run, but you feel like running and then you do it. Whoa. <laughs> Cause you didn't think about it. And it was a thing that felt right. There is that sort of energy and possibility available in every moment of every day of our lives. It's there, but we overthink it. Well, I'm supposed to be here at noon and then I have this call next and then really an adult doesn't behave that way. So this is not a thing I'm going to do. And we overthink it and we overanalyze it. And by doing that, we limit ourselves from the purest moments that we could experience, the unplanned ones, the ones where anything's possible. Yes, absolutely. It's like we suppress the the childlike wonder feeling. We completely suppress that because of what we've been taught, what we've been taught about society and how to act. That's so right. We basically outsmart ourselves. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're walking around punking ourselves like, oh, no, I shouldn't do that. And then all the fun vanishes. <laughs> oh, there's the yeah. fun. 
<laughs> totally. So did you did you kind of find this out and then have to have to rewire yourself, have to get in the habit of not changing what you do or not suppressing that urge? Or did you did you ever suppress that urge in the first place? You know, did you did were you always acting on this instinct? I think it depends on context. Mm. I mean, certainly when you're a bit younger, you're very concerned what with what people are going to say about you, going to think about you. You don't want to appear to be too much of the odd one out if you're, say, vying for a job or you're trying to apply to get into a school or a program or what have you. I probably have spent as much time as the next person thinking, well, that's not what a person should do. Mm. But the moments where I did what people should do were never the moments that rewarded me the most. And so I just try to stay in touch with what my instinct or my heart might be saying. Usually, it leads me to a really neat place. Today, for example, and this is just a tiny story, and it's an everyday moment, and I didn't have to be far from home. I took a yoga class. And then after the class, I was a little nervous, honestly, because this instructor is really a powerhouse beauty. She's so cool. And she really obviously makes people feel special. And I had observed that about her. So I walked up to her after class and I was like a little bit of that palm sweaty nervousness because it's like, it's kind I felt like I was going to be creepy. And I said, I think you should know you have a real power for making people feel seen. And she was like, she goes, that is the best compliment I've received in such a long time. And I was like, whew, that was close, you know, because I was like, I could have been like the ultimate weirdy. I haven't taken her class that many times. But every time that you have an opportunity to connect with people or place in that way where you go like, I think this creates goodness, then try it. Nice. That's, man, you keep on saying things that I'm thinking on a daily basis and putting them in amazing words. Mm. <laughs> if you, yeah, if you could kind of be around all the time, and then you can kind of be my translator. All right, <laughs> I have a new job. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I think like I think that thing of you know going up and talking to someone, for example, if you're traveling solo, you travel mainly solo, right? I do. I mean. Yes, actually, I travel alone a lot, or I'm traveling with groups uh, that are small that I've never met before. So I'm very often going into circumstances where I don't know people ahead of time. Mm, yeah. So like, you don't seem like like the type of person that wouldn't just go up and exactly like you did, wouldn't go up and just say something or say, hey, or say whatever, you know? So was there ever a time when, when this wasn't the case? You know, maybe when traveling, were you kind of nervous to go up to someone and maybe didn't do it? Or were you kind of born with this confidence, you know what I mean? I think I still get nervous in a way that a lot of people still get nervous to talk to new people because you're like, what are people going to think? Am I saying the right thing? And I, for example, when you're in a large group and you have to go around and introduce yourself, to be clear, when I'm saying large, I mean like 10 or more. <laughs> yeah. That's not that large. It's not 5,000 people. When you're in a group that size and they're like, we're going to go around the circle and learn a bit about you, my heart starts pounding. I'm a confident person when it comes to social settings because I like people. That said, I still get that weird, overwhelming nervousness. Like I'm 
am I going to pass out? What's happened? Like why? I don't understand why I know what my first and last name are. And I know where I live. It's not like it's some scary moment that will change the outcome of my existence, but I still get nerves when I'm connecting with new people. Mm. When it's one-on-one though, it's slightly different because I think that there's such a beauty to just looking at the person and saying, hi, I see you. I'm Rachel. What's your name? Uh, What matters to you? Where are you from? What'd you do today? It doesn't have to be too complex to actually look at someone and be there with them. That's right. That's right. And that one-on-one thing, it's so, like we were talking about, it's kind of that vulnerability. It's that putting yourself out there, being vulnerable, knowing that, you know, I mean, what could they say that that could be, you know, bad, but like knowing that they could say something like, you know, I don't want to talk to you, get rejected. I don't know. But it's putting yourself out there. And that's, that's kind of, I always think that vulnerability is like, it's kind of the catalyst or the conduit to growth in a way. Yes, absolutely. And when you think about the worst case scenario, Think about it. The worst case scenario in talking to a stranger is what? They don't reply? Like (laughs) something (laughs) incredibly inconsequential is the worst case scenario. Oh no, the (laughs) horror. It's like, what, you know, what could possibly go wrong? But what's amazing is when you take that question and you apply it to other things that make you feel afraid, because that's the whole reason we don't do things in the first place, is we're afraid. We're afraid we will get rejected. We're afraid people won't support it. We're afraid we won't be loved. We're afraid all the time, really, because we're just mortal beings. That's fair. That makes sense. But when we take a moment to say, why am I afraid? And what's the worst that could happen? Those questions don't usually result in something do or die. Okay, so you're afraid to go give a compliment to a stranger. What's the worst that could happen? They go, what, are you trying to pick me up? And you're like, no, I just like your haircut. End of conversation. (laughs) Okay, that wasn't horrible, and you just gave someone goodness. So we're all good. Mm, yeah and i love i love how you said about you can just scale it up into other aspects like with travel like with any type of adventure or anything like that if you it's exactly like you said before like if it goes well and you have a good experience then great if it doesn't you've got a good story you know (laughs) and that's just as good (laughs) the worst case scenario is usually not bad at all best case scenario is wild beautiful possibilities you can't even imagine because they don't exist yet but by making yourself available to them, your whole world can open up. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, sometimes I think I might be weird, but sometimes, well, I know this for a fact, but sometimes <laughs> I kind of, not that I want something bad to happen, but I kind of, I, <laughs> it's like I wouldn't mind so much because I would get a good story out of it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a weird thing. Have, or like People are like, no, that couldn't <laughs> That's awful. I'm like, yeah, but isn't it so funny? <laughs> yeah. Hey, now. <laughs> is that a is that just me? A little dark to wish for it, but I kind <laughs> of have started to let go of that which I cannot control. And by just letting things evolve and not controlling so much of it, yeah, you have to assume that sometimes it won't go as planned. That's where the stories are born. 
Yes, yes, exactly. Like storytelling, I think it's it's such a big thing for not only just travel, not only for podcasts, not only for people, but for kind of, well, we learn through storytelling. We learn our morals mm-hmm. through stories when we're young. We learn how to go about this world through stories. So what's, what's interesting, because I know you love to tell a good story as well. What's interesting to you about telling stories? What do you think the value is? I think stories are all that people have ever had to understand their place in the world. Stories give us everything, like you said, that might be a building block for our lives. So back in the day when we were still more creature than human and running around and catching animals and gathering by the fire and grunting at night, I mean, what did we have? We might have been living in caves, so we didn't have homes and we didn't have schools and we didn't have what we would perceive now to be art, but we had the ability to communicate about what happened that day and maybe the beast that we tried to kill that tried to kill us. And oh my God, we prevailed. What we have had always through grunts or bards or modern media is storytelling. Storytelling enables us to see where we exist in the space of all that is. It can be a travel story. It can be a religious story. It can be an academic story, or it could be a coloring book. But it shows you where you are. It helps you to find your footing and know what everything around you should mean to you according to what that story has decided to tell. Yes, so well put. So well put. Thanks. Hon- honestly, you gotta, you got to come here and be my translator. Honestly. I- <laughs> <laughs> you speak English great. I don't think you need a translator. <laughs> uh, no, I, don't. <laughs> I need to put these things into words. <laughs> oh, man. But no, I, I, I love how you instantly went back to, you know, before, kind of before media, before society. You went, well, you went way back to cavemen, right? Which I love <laughs> because something I'm always thinking about is what is the, what is natural? to humans if you take away if you take away the buildings if you take away the life insurance if you take away you know what i mean the phones the remote controls then what is natural what is real to life right i know those things are real now but what is kind of real to our brains our brains are still those old cavemen with their grunts right so yeah i I think that this is just a theory of mine that i've literally thought of in the last seven seconds but (laughs) (laughs) this is a theory of mine that I think when you're out traveling, I think the ratio of things that are real, the things that are natural to us as humans compared to the things that are built for us in a way, if you know what I mean, that are kind of plastic, I think the ratio is tipped more towards those natural things. What do you think about that? Yes, because when we're at home, everything is built to be comfortable, to be familiar, to be connected to be what it's supposed to be, in quotations, supposed to be, according to our society. But when we leave that behind, we have to focus on the things which are most human. And honestly, I don't mean to demean you or myself here, but we're pretty simple creatures. What matters to us as animals, food, survival, mating, the tribe, like keeping your tribe safe, fear of death, Those things are real, right? Everything else is sprinkles. So when it comes down to it, 
yeah, when you're on the road, you have chosen to leave behind everything that is familiar and set up for you to be comfortable. And instead, you really have to listen to whether you're hungry or whether you're safe or whether you're connected to the tribe or the simple basic things that make us animals, but also really evolved and pretty fascinating human animals. Mm, yeah, we're in this kind of cool position where we can go and act on those natural instincts and fulfill all that natural criteria and do all that stuff, but we kind of have the modern brains to appreciate it in a way, in a way you know? Yeah, and to make choices and to go like, honestly, that's not the choice I'm going to make based on what instinct would have me believe. We are weird and cool in that way. We get to go like, here's what I'm being told matters. What do I do with it? Yeah, and that kind of goes back to the fear as well, because if we were just running off that natural instinct, then we wouldn't do the things that scare us, you know, because right. we, that's, we're not wired to do that. We're wired to flee from the things I that scare us. I would never have jumped out of an airplane, I'll tell you that much. My <laughs> Lord, you just think about going splat on the face of the earth. You're not going <laughs> to jump. It's a perfectly good plane. However, if you're informed and research shows that actually – it's pretty safe these days and there haven't been any accidents here. You're like, I can over logic this and, and take the risk and do it anyway, even though my animal brain and my lizard brain knows that that's like not a thing to do. And <laughs> yeah. then you survive and you're like, listen, that was really fun. Yeah, it's kind of like, ooh, I was just about to do a Star Wars metaphor then, but <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, well, I'm just going to do it. It's kind, of, it's kind of like that's the the light side of the yeah. of the kind of well, the dark side in this would be the one that if we want to do our you know act in our childlike wonder thing, that same voice that says no, 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 do the society thing, follow this because this is the way that you progress in life. That's the kind of dark side of the same voice that is telling you, no, no, you're okay to jump out of a plane. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's kind of a mischief maker, a rule breaker, <laughs> but also the one that keeps you from fulfilling your best self. It probably depends on the moment, right? It's the same voice, let's get real, that tells you to have another drink is fine. <laughs> and you're like, I know I'm going to feel awful in the morning. That's why they have those animations and, and, and movie scenes and stuff where there's like a devil on one shoulder and then an angel on the other. We, we all have that, that contradiction of the good versus the, the naughty voice or the lizard brain and the logical brain or, you know, it takes different <laughs> forms. Absolutely. I love that guy there that says, just do it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just stick your finger in the socket. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, when I was a teenager, I kept on saying like my thing that I would say was, now remember, always give in to peer pressure. Because <laughs> you know, it's, I don't know, I think cool things happen when you give in to peer pressure, you know. <laughs> I don't mean to put myself into a bad position here, but I realize I'm a bit of an enabler. But usually in ways that expand people's perception of self yes, and i yes. don't mean hallucinogens <laughs> i mean more like yes of course you can and i love the moment when someone realizes that he or she is enough when they're like oh my god i'm right here doing this very thing i love being that little ally that goes like of course you can you're enough Nice. I've heard you talk about this uh, this concept before of being enough. I think, I don't know, I love it. I love it. Could you expand on it a little bit? Like, what do you mean by, how, how does someone know if they're enough? What does it feel like? 
That's a great question. So we are always afraid of failure, afraid of people laughing at us, afraid that we're not good enough, we're not prepared enough. And sometimes we're not in a place where we're perfect or perfectly prepared, right? I mean, that's just the nature of living. But usually we are enough, meaning you're enough to have that conversation that you're afraid of, to go after that job that you think might be above you. Because what is, again, the worst thing that could happen, you learn from it. You're always enough. I've just gotten into, here's an example, uh, rock climbing. I just joined a rock climbing gym and it's bouldering and stuff and you're not strapped in because the highest wall is only like 16 feet. So what is that? Five, six meters, something like that. And it's completely new to me to think of scaling this face that is unfamiliar, that has unfamiliar roots where you're not roped in and you have to overpower the lizard brain and go like, I will either reach the top or fall, but it won't be to my doom. <laughs> There's a mattress, okay? And I have really enjoyed the strategy and the physical challenge and the mental challenge. Well, some friends asked over the weekend if, you know, we might go with them and they'd never been climbing. And it's very easy to overthink and live in that fear when you're trying something new. And this one friend was like, I can't, I can't lift myself. I don't have any upper body strength. And I was like, I bet you can't put it in your legs. She's like, I, I really can't. Like, I'm not, I'm not able. And so I just kind of thought of what would make me feel better or safer if I were trying to climb this wall for the first time. And I walked up behind her and I said, I've just, I'm going to put my hand on your lower back and you know, you're doing this yourself, but my hand's here so that, you know, you're safe. Could you maybe use your right hand and put that a little higher? So she puts her right hand higher. I go, awesome. How about your left foot? Could you straighten that leg and put a lot of the weight in your leg if you're worried about your arm strength? So she straightens her leg. Long story short, she begins to climb. And all of a sudden, after a span of an hour or two, she's climbing these roots on her own. But that moment when she got just a little bit higher, which was only a few feet off the ground, and then she popped off the wall, she looked at me like, oh my God, I did that? And I was like, of course you did. You're enough. Nice. Yeah, it's just, you got to believe. I guess that's the notion. And other people sometimes need to tell you too, that yes, of course you can. You are capable. You will learn. You will be enough. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful, man. I love that. <laughs> really all we can do on this planet of ours. It's one big adventure in learning. That's right. I mean, it seems so important to you it, to inspire others, you know, inspiring them to travel, inspiring them to have the confidence in themselves and, exp and inspiring them to, to grow, inspiring them to believe in themselves. What draws you to inspiring others? I mean, what, um, what do you love about kind of teaching someone or telling someone or revealing to them that they are enough? I think we all have this innate potential. Our skills and our talents are different from person to person. But just being there and saying you have it in you is really not difficult to do and can change the course of someone's life. 
And so I don't envision it as some thing that I'm doing as a public service and I go out and I do it and that's my, you know, I'm not usually thinking about it so much. Again, I'm not overthinking it. And we kind of started our conversation today with this. I'm just doing it because what feels right in the moment is to look at someone with meaning and be like, yes, you are powerful. No one else gets to be you. That is so cool. So live in that power. We all become better when people are connected to their abilities and when they believe in themselves. Yes, perfect, perfect. Have you noticed that we've talked about quite a few different topics? We've been jumping around all over the place, different theories, different topics, different subjects, right? Mm -hmm. But they, they've all got this kind of vein running through them of kind of what's the worst that could happen and getting rid of that fear and doing it anyway. They've all got this, this thing that joins them all together. We cannot predict what will happen with our time on this earth. And it's really easy to say like <laughs> YOLO. <laughs> oh, or, no, you didn't, did you? Oh, sure did. You're welcome. <laughs> it's really easy to be like, oh, yeah, well, or you're only young once or I'll sleep when I'm dead. There are all these popular refrains that we've been taught, but that doesn't mean that we're living them. So if you really just go out there and you go like, what's the worst that could happen if I believe in myself? If I think I'm enough, if I'm willing to connect with people, what's the worst that could happen if I chase my biggest dream? Usually, it's not that bad. We're on this planet for a short time. So it's a good question to ask yourself every day. Yes, ideal, ideal. I love it. I love it. <laughs> now, Rachel, it's been great talking to you. And I don't want to wrap this up really, but we probably should. So is there anything you would like to leave our listeners with? What I think is really important right now is to point out that it's not about me. So anything that you would find in my media, hopefully is connecting people and planet, but also a really good way to spend your time is to go out and to read on websites or watch documentaries or have conversations that connect you to other people. Anything that you can do to be connected and share love is where you should be spending your time. It's not about me. It's not even about you, no offense. <laughs> it's about connecting everything that's going on in this world of ours because right now it feels scary and divided. But it doesn't have to if you're willing to connect. Yes, exactly. And what's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've, I've really, really enjoyed this. You've put a lot of the things that I, I often, often think into miraculously mm. amazing words, <laughs> which is thanks great. For, thanks for sharing the adventure. I don't know if you can hear this through a podcast, but I'm smiling. <laughs> you most certainly can. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. It's been awesome talking to you. Likewise. Thank you. Stay inspired by subscribing to Travel Stories Podcast.